Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. All right. Shabbat shalom, everyone. I'm glad all of you guys are here. Everyone's getting settled here. So I'll address those online who are joining us. Thanks for joining us and being part of our family. Uh, as you know, livingmessiah.com is our website. There you'll find a donate button. We want to thank you all who do give. Um, it, it, it is a blessing, and we, we thank you. Um, if you would like to do a thumbs up, that'd be wonderful too. We always like to hear from you as well. So let me open in prayer and then we can get right into our study here, okay? Father Yahuwah, great and mighty you are, there is none like you, Yahuwah. Father, we thank you for this Shabbat, a day of rest. We delight to, to enter in it. And Father, we do, we come here entering, wanting to get closer to you, to one another. Father, we need your empowerment of your spirit so that we can overcome all things within us and without, and that things are on the outside as well. Father, thank you again for the love that we find in your Messiah, our awaited King. Amen. Well, I, again, I'm glad all of you guys are here today. Um, so, and... Again, on the mics, just raise your hand. The mic will find its way to you for a question or comment. Just, uh, we just asked, uh, let's stick with the text so we can all learn together because ultimately that is the purpose. And then, again, the other note on, that, on the mic itself, remember, have it really close so we can hear you. That way, Ward picks it up just fine as well. So... As you know, this is the book of Acts that we're in. We're in chapter 9. Uh, Paul has been blinded by the light, as the song goes. That's where, yeah, I know, right? So Paul, ha and I'm, some of the, a little bit of review, but then we'll get right in. But these, to me, these are very important. Paul has not converted to any new faith like many do teach. I don't see that. He, he does have a new understanding Right, or we'll see that he will have a new understanding of some things, but he is still a Jew, right? He has not changed that. He's a Pharisee of Pharisees. That's coming from his own mouth, okay? He's a Hebrew. He is zealous for the God of Israel. None of that has changed or will change. So, so to me, to understand Paul is to understand he was and still is standing on the Word of God, maybe for more of a modern idea. Now, to add to the Word of God, we must understand it's also the Word of God is the Law of Moses and the Prophets. This is what Paul sticks to. Um, and ultimately, just like Yeshua, he was not... He did not change or add anything, okay, to the commands that were given from Mount Sinai. And again, those are the ones handed down to Moses. 
And remember, those were written with the finger of Elohim, with the finger of God. Paul has changed or will change in, in that maybe his interpretations uh, of the fathers. And what I mean by the fathers, the traditions and the, the institution of men uh, were maybe wrong in a lot of areas. But he does not speak against the law of God. He does not. This issue Yeshua had, and now Paul is beginning to see, it, it, it is not the law of Elohim. It is, it is not a burden, but it's that traditions of men that are at fault and can make Elohim's or God's words of no effect or void, ultimately sometimes of righteousness or obedience even, Okay. So I would say, same as today with the Christian, some of the Christian teachings that we're all aware of that do away with the law of Moses and replaces it ultimately in some ways with a grace-only doctrine. Well, ultimately that will produce only one thing, and that is somehow it produces a license just to sin and do whatever you want. So we have to be on guard about that ourselves. So my humble opinion then, if we would look at Messiah, if he would attend, let's say, churches and, and even here sometimes, we have to be, right? Just like he did the synagogues, would the message be the same? I think it might be. He would say the same things he did to them, that you will die in your sins if you do not repent and turn back to him okay return to my instructions right my holidays we're struggling to make that happen to understand that and my shabbat ultimately repent would be the same message that he would bring so let's continue on here and hanayam went away and went into the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Shaul, the master Yeshua who appeared to you on the way has come, has sent me so that you might see again and be filled with the set-apart spirit. We read this last week, but I want to start here just so it helps with the story as we go. And immediately there fell from his eyes, as it were, scales, and he received his sight. And raising up, he was immersed or baptized. And having received food, he was strengthened, and Shaul was with the taught ones at Damascus some days. And immediately he proclaimed the Messiah in the congregations that he is the son of Elohim. So I spoke about this a little bit last week about he's saying he's the son of Elohim. There's a lot there that I, uh, more that I think that we or at least I believe we should address. So Paul's sight returns. He's filled with this set-apart spirit, and he proclaims something very important, and that is this son of Elohim. It's an interesting statement. Maybe, maybe it's not so interesting. Hopefully I'll show you why it should be considered very interesting that he would say something like that. Paul, okay? Because this happened, he just now got his sight back. Anyhow, so the anointed is the son of Elohim. And what I mean by that is the Mashiach, 
is also anointed. That's where the whole concept comes from, of being anointed. Yes, Barry? Uh, the mic is right in front of you. There you go. Flip it up. I was wondering, could it be that when it says immediately, it means that when he was presented with people who happened to mention something that he had no hesitation or, or uh, um, concern about uh, not saying, but saying straight up, he is. It's because interesting that you mentioned that. Because in just a bit, I'm going to address that. And it's basically, when is immediately does not mean immediately. You know? And it's, it's interesting. But good, pointing that out, uh, Barry. So this son of Elohim, so ultimately we have to understand what does that mean in Bible language? What does that mean that was set down before? Not something new, right? But this whole idea, son of Elohim. Okay, so that's where I want to focus uh, briefly as we go through. So Son of Elohim, ultimately, I think I mentioned this last week, it's a king's title, and kings were anointed as well. So ultimately, kings were messiahs in some sense as well, because they were anointed for a specific job. And, that's, and anyone else know the others that, who were anointed right off the top of your head? Go ahead, Barry, just shout it out. Prophets, and who else? One other uh, person, priests. So these are the in, you know, specific individuals who were anointed for a particular task. And it's interesting, we, we're might going to have something like that today as well. So. so anyhow, so this father... An anointed son, so to speak. This is going around here. So here's where this idea of father-son will come from. So let me read this so you see, see what has been established already in the text when we're dealing with these terms. So we have to go back and see first the foundation of them and not come up with something new and start applying it, okay, the Bible to me is very clear, and it defines things for you. We can't change those definitions, okay? So it's Second uh, Samuel 7. And when your days are fulfilled, and when you rest with your fathers, it's speaking to David, okay? And I shall rise up your seed after you, David, who comes from your inward parts, and he shall establish his reign. He does build the house for my name, my character, and my content, and I shall establish the throne for his reign forever. I am to be his father, and he is to be my son. So there's that connection with Elohim as being father and the king a son, prince, however you want to look at it, but ultimately. If he does per uh, perversely, I shall reprove him with the rod of men, and with the blows of the sons of men. But my kindness does not turn aside from him, as I turned it aside from Shaul, whom I removed before you. 
So again, here's this idea of father and son, Elohim, his son, his prince, the king, that this, this is where this idea, at least I believe, first was introduced in the Hebrew scriptures. I could be wrong on that, but it's a reference to show you that it is there. It is there. So we have this idea of Messiah King of Israel. This is a model for any king of Israel. And what I mean by that, whatever we see David and Solomon, okay, yes, they did many wrong things, but there was a protocol given to them on what they were to do in that anointed position. So what I'm saying is that will carry all the way to the returning king as well, meaning same imagery, same actions, okay? So what I'm saying is if you accept Jesus or Yahshua as the returning king of Israel, then you must keep this in mind. A king of Israel was to operate in what? He was operate in the instructions, in the Torah, okay? The instructions from God. To write it down and have a copy for it for himself, okay? It was to be part of his daily life, a king of Israel. So much so that wouldn't you say it should be by that point written in the king's heart, if he's reading it every day, if he's applying it every day, see the terminologies that are there? And ultimately, this was to overcome all that was in the fallen world, to be this anointed king imagery to the people. So a true king of Israel was to be more as a servant to his people. Not like most of our imagery, we King Arthur and sitting in the throne in the castle. No, a, a king of Israel was to walk amongst his people, to dwell amongst his people. Okay? Teaching as an example. Not like all the rulers of the other nations who were appointed by whom? Men. And we learn that, that you can't really get too far if men are appointing men. Elohim was to rule over the king, and the king was then to be the image or the messenger of Elohim's righteousness, his judgments, right rulings. And I'm sure you know all this, but this is important to me when we come across small little phrases we have to keep this in mind. So, and ultimately from here, so from this line of David is going to be a son, an anointed servant, shepherd, king, a son. Obviously, we understand how Yahshua fits into that mold uh, very nicely. But it's based on something that's been established already. So the Father's law or his Torah's or instruction for true life is a part of the Son's being, his whole being. And if that's the model we have in our returning king, 
Wow, that goes back to this the same model then. If he's out teaching that and he's your king, he's my king, and he's teaching us, wow, we got a lot of work to do within ourselves to become that same image because that's all he teaches and that's the example that he's giving for all of us. Revelations 21, 6 and 7, you, you don't have to go there. You can write that down, but it says this. One who overcomes, I will be his Elohim, and he will be my son. So that's for all. The picture here, not that we're all going to be some kind of king, but ultimately the function of a king is to be ruler over things. And ultimately we want to overcome and be rulers over the sin in us, over the sins in the Things of the world, ultimately. So in short, to follow Jesus or Yeshua is to follow the law. You can't get around that. Any teaching that negates the law is not from the set-apart spirit, is not from the Holy Spirit. So, in some ways, we are like, like them who, who wanted a king, like the nations. Our king has not come yet, but I think this is, I said this, and this has been very powerful for me, but we have been left one like Moses. And, and again, you can see the Torah and all that are associated to the one like Moses, which Yeshua was first, the one like Moses, and he will turn anointed king. And both we see in Moses and Yahshua and the returning king is a suffering servant that does what his father tells him to do. I think that's awesome. So in Paul's day, the Pharisees, we're getting back to Paul. In Paul's day, the Pharisees were teaching that the Messiah, Messiah in the mold of King David was coming. And that, was, that is true, Okay. But again, the one like Moses is going to be the one who comes first. That's, to me, very clear. What we will begin to see now is Paul had an audience that would readily understand what he was about to preach. Okay? They knew these things. They knew Scripture. At least his his, I don't want to say students, his colleagues, his other Pharisee brothers would know this stuff, okay? But the thing is, we find out, would they accept what Paul's going to take back to them? It doesn't go that well. So far, to remind you, there is no mention of a goyim or a Gentile here. And what I mean by that is mainly Jews, and if there is someone who isn't bloodline Jew or whatever, they're part of the faith of the God of Abraham, so, okay, they're not foreign to the God of Israel and any of these instructions in Judaism, whatever form it was at that time, okay? So the Spirit here is doing exactly what Messiah said that it would do, to guide all to truth. The Holy Spirit reveals that the King of Israel guards the Torah and teaches others to be obedient to the laws given to Moses at the mountain. 
That should sum up that little section right there. So we'll continue. And all who heard were amazed and said, This is this, excuse me, is this not he who destroyed those calling on the name in Jerusalem and has come here for this to take them bound to the chief priest? But Shaul kept increasing in strength, and he was confounding the Udim, the Jews, who dwelt in Damascus, proving that this is the Messiah. And after many days he elapsed, the Judeum plotted to kill him. So, so you know what's going on here. First you have this idea that like, okay, the apostles, okay, those who knew or accept the Messiah who they were, they're like, oh, this, this is crazy what's going on with this Paul guy, right? But Paul begins, as you hear, he's talking to other Udim and other Jews. And what that is is ultimately those who would know him clearly who he was, okay? And not all Jews, but, and we'll get into that more again. But this idea of proving, again, there is no Gentile becoming a member of this new sect of Judaism that's called the Way, uh, persecution was coming from within the brotherhood. This is kind of interesting. It's coming from within the brotherhood. And now we'll see it will be turned towards Shaul <laughs> as well. It was not the Romans bringing the persecution, at least not yet. Right here, it was inward fighting. Okay? But this was in, inward fighting among the, Jew, the Jews themselves and the various uh, sects in, uh, of who they were. And I want to mention it's not all, not all, every single Jew that lived at the time was against. No, no. Uh, it was a particular small segment of the society in some sense who kind of were to be the rulers and directors on how to go were where the persecution came from. So, again, not all Judaism's members at this time were a part of this persecution of this assembly of the teachings of this Galilean prophet, which would be Yahshua. It was coming from the same religious authorities, though, who sought out Yahshua, I would guess. And at least I'm pretty safe I can say that. It was over the same issues... Two, traditions that today we would call doctrines or theologies. Again, it was not about the law of Moses. I might repeat that a couple more times, but that is very, very important. Proving. How was Paul proving the case for the Messiah, the son of Elohim? We knew who he was. His schooling, who he was. It was because Paul, he already knew he was a great Torah scholar, okay? So he knew the scriptures. He knew about the Torah of Moses, the prophets, and all the writings, and the oral traditions of the Pharisees as well, okay? He knew that more than anyone, and he says so himself. I was, I could go rounds with any of my brothers, Right? He was top of his class, and he said that himself. Paul came to faith in Messiah, though. This is interesting. I, when I was reading this one, I, I'm like, 
oh, I never thought of this way. I was reading this one uh, commentary. Paul came to faith to the Messiah by, by a new oral tradition. And I'm like, wow, what, what? He did. By the mouth of Yahshua. A new oral tradition by the mouth of the Master. I think that's interesting. It was a new, or let's say a renewed interpretation um, and understandings that confirmed that Yahshua was the Messiah. Not that he, Paul, threw away everything that he knows or knew. that, That doesn't happen with Paul. And I think that's what makes him a very powerful, a powerful witness for Messiah. And I'm trying to understand myself, trying to understand more of that and of who Paul was. And like Peter says, oh, we got to teach ourselves so we understand what Paul's talking about. Because I get hung up too sometimes. What's going on here? You know? Paul had all he needed to be an effective witness of the good news. That's why I believe he was chosen. I think that was clearly why he was chosen. This unique Roman citizen Jew who was a Pharisee, who knew the scriptures inside and out, and knew not only being part of the synagogue, he knew oral tradition inside and out and practiced it. You need someone like that to help you through Maybe this big mess that's going on, who knows two sides, and be able to like, whoa. And again, that was his life as a Roman citizen and his schooling. I would say he didn't have a complete mind sweep, and this will go along with what Barry was pointing out here. He didn't have this complete mind sweep and came up with something, some new religion and then placed Jesus or Yeshua in the middle of it with completely new teachings and doctrines, okay? And ultimately, anything that was foreign from the Hebrew scriptures himself. So what I think maybe what Paul needed to be taught, and we, maybe all of us at some point, all the time, it was already there in the text. The only difference, I think, Paul has a great advantage. He was trained in all that text. <laughs> right? I know me, I'm like, oh, I get overwhelmed with how much is sitting in our Bibles. It's mind-boggling to me. His, but his high-level academic background... And through the knowledge of the Tanakh, the Old Testament, that will be the key, what is the key that happens next throughout the rest of his life in what he teaches and directs people to do. Okay? So here, real quick, again, remember, he was going up to Damascus to bring back a whole bunch of people, so he knows in Damascus there are some brothers like him. I'll hook up with my brothers up there, and then we'll go around and drag these infidels back down, right? Well, it turned out they plotted to kill him. <laughs> the very same ones that he wanted to meet up with, his persecuting friends turned quickly, right, on him. At least it seems that way. Maybe it's not immediately as it might 
state, but it happened pretty quickly. It seems those who were going to meet and to get this assistance to do this, now they're going to track down Paul. So what we have here is then, is it safe to say that friends became the enemy and the enemy became the friends? Interesting twist, it very is. This is going to happen again, I believe, in some way or form in the future for us, in my own personal opinion. Messiah alludes to this idea as well. But their plot became known to Shaul, and they were watching the gates day and night to kill him. They were like, rabid. But taking him by night, the taught ones let him down through the wall, lowering him in a basket. And having arrived in Jerusalem, Shaul tried to join the taught ones, but they were afraid of him. Do you blame them? Right? Not believing that he was one of them, a taught one, right? They didn't believe that he changed. I don't think that's there anything wrong with that. I don't think you have to change your life. Prove it, right? Here I'd like to bring Saul's uh, persecution, or excuse me, Paul's perspective on these events. Paul speaks at the same time of these, but I'm going to jump to Acts uh, 22.17. This is Paul's personal witness and his words of the events here in some ways that's happening. And I think that's good uh, because it gives you more insight of maybe what's happening here. Because if we're establishing who Paul is, then let's get as much as we can so as we continue reading, right? So it says this, and this, uh, uh, Paul is talking to some of those who disagreed with him here in some aspect. I, I can't remember. It, it might be Agrippa here, King Agrippa or something. I'm not sure. But anyhow, it's, you'll get the idea what's going on. And it came to be when I returned to Jerusalem, this is Paul, and while I was praying in the set-apart uh, place, I came to be in a trance. And I saw him saying to me, hurry and get out of Jerusalem speedily because they shall not accept your witness concerning me. So it's talking about his, what would have been his Jewish brothers, his close colleagues, so to speak. They're not going to accept what you say. And I said, Master, they know that in every congregation I was imprisoning and beating those who believed on you. And when the blood of your witness, uh, Stephen, was shed, I also was standing by giving my approval to his death and, we, uh, and keeping the garments of those who were killing, er, killing him. And he said to me, Go, because I shall send you far from here to the nations. And they were listening to him until this word. And then they lifted up their voices, saying, Go away with such a one from the earth, for it is not fit that he should live. Wow. That's pretty intense. They didn't, one, the apostles didn't believe he's changed. 
And sounds like his brothers said, well, he might have changed, but we've got to get rid of him. Right? Here I would like to, oh, oops, excuse me. Oops. So, in this plot, and in this time frame, it's interesting. Let me see. I, I think I've got enough time here. So what I want to do now that I think is important, or at least for me, is like, wow, this, this is nice. This is, it struck me. From Acts, from the beginning of Acts, verse 1, to here in 26, is, I believe, a time period of three years. It goes real quick. But there was a lot that was going on. And, and I'll show you why I think it's important to understand maybe Paul. And with Barry pointing out that, that very thing immediately, that he just blinded by the light, oh, he's the Messiah I'm going to follow. But their plot became known by Shaul, and they were watching the gates by night to kill him. So then he was lowered down. And he did not, uh, no one wanted to meet up with him after that. So, what Barry was pointing out back, uh, I think it was, it might have been two places, but Acts 9.20. And immediately he proclaimed Messiah in the congregations that he was the son of Elohim. What does immediately, when does immediately, doesn't mean immediately like Barry was pointing out there, or I'm taking what Barry says. This Greek word behind immediately or straight away, however it might be in your translations, is kind of interesting when I was looking at it because... I, uh, so I'm going to sum it up real easy because it's a big, deep word search to see what's going on, and I, I, I think I can sum it up in this way. It shows up a lot, and it speaks about when it's used, it's time frames or events from going one event to another event, okay? And like I said, not to get into it too deep, it doesn't always mean immediately in our English, the way it's used, okay? So if that can suffice enough for you with that, and you can go track that down, but we can see we're in this case where, oh, it didn't mean immediately because we'll hear from Paul that it didn't mean immediately. It meant about three years. Barry. Could it mean, like, I couldn't think of the word before, without embarrassment? Like, just no, actually, blatantly without embarrassment? I would direct it more this way, Barry, more like, and some time has passed. And some time went by. But when they're telling the story, and immediately, again, that's kind of wrong in our English. And then, and even then is an unknown time period. You, you know, that might be better. And there was some reason when I was reading about it, how that word... Uh, they generalized it, it seems like, in a lot of places where it did mean immediately, but then over here, it's like, okay, just the basic 
reading it in English doesn't mean this happened immediately. You, you know, it's, it's a, a language and the word thing in the, when the translators were, were doing it. So, but what I want to do is, but let's look at this time period here from uh, Acts, uh, here in Acts, when uh, Shaul encounters Messiah. What I'm going to say ahead of time, I don't believe he just changed in an instant, like the text seems to say in our English. I don't think in a blinking of an eye, all of a sudden he got some kind of crazy download, and all of a sudden he was somebody else immediately. I think it took some time. And one of the things, I'm going to assume that Paul at this time, regardless of who he was, after he saw the light of the Messiah, said, I'm going to test the spirits. That makes sense, right? Paul, he's trained in Scripture as he just all those years, right, even any of us in our years are going through Scripture and looking, do we just trust anything that comes out of anybody's mouth? Any YouTube video that someone puts out, what do you do? Test it. Now, would you agree that Paul being very mature at this time, you know, maybe a hated Pharisee would know enough, like the Bereans did, to go, let's see what, what just happened to me? I know someone spoke to me. I know no one saw it. My eyes, and now I see again, what's going on? So I'm going to assume that Paul is going to test all things to see if it is in the writings. Here's what happened, it seems, in the time that he received this sight back and before he returned to Jerusalem. Because we just read like, what, a couple paragraphs. It seemed like, wow, boom, boom, and he's in Jerusalem. There's a lot more, I believe, that happened. And it comes from Paul himself. That's a good place to go. Make sure he who experienced it telling you. So Galatians 1 is interesting. I'm going to start there. You can get it too, but I'm just going to like kind of jump down through to certain particular points, okay? Galatians 1 opens Shaul, an emissary or uh, a, a witness from, from men, um, not from men, nor by a man, but by Yahshua Messiah and the Elohim, the Father, who raised him from the dead. That's how he's opening it. And he goes on, and all my brothers who are with me in the assembly is uh, Galatia, where he's at, He's, uh, this is, I believe that's where he's writing this letter. Let me get down to Galatians 1.8. Then he says this, However, even we, or a messenger out of heaven, bring good news to you beside what we announce to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, and now I say again, if anyone brings good news to you beside what you have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or Elohim, or do I seek to please men? And it's interesting the context that actually I discovered that's here. Or do I seek to please men? 
For if I still please men, I should not be a servant of Messiah. Why, why is he talking about serving men? Is it in general how maybe, I think that there is something more there, maybe within our Christian upbringing, we're saying, oh yeah, serving men out there. But no, I think it was directed to a specific idea about serving men. And I think that will weigh itself out. Dan? Um, I think if Paul would have hung on to the tenets of Judaism, that he wouldn't have been persecuted by the, those practicing Judaism. Exactly. Right? Or at least those truth. The ones, yeah. Yes, yes. Right. Yeah, they, there was truth involved, <laughs> yeah. but they wanted, they wanted these Galatians to be, the book we're in, to be <laughs> circumcised to prove to prove that they were part of the religion of Judaism. And Paul's saying, no, you're accepted in Messiah. And they didn't like that because they wanted them all to be part of their group. And he's saying, if I would go along with them, I wouldn't be persecuted. But I'm confronting what they're telling everyone. Yeah. No, that's interesting. Thank you, Dan. So this, uh, there's many aspects going on here. But what I was... Uh, want to point out here is ultimately back it says he is the son of Elohim. So this is about the revelation of Messiah or Yahshua as Messiah. He's understanding it is coming from Elohim and his words, right? That is being what was written down from Moses and the prophets. And I would say here there's an allusion to not what the traditions of men have come up with. Okay? Because if I am going to sit here and tell you doctrines of men, right? We can't run our Christian life on doctrines of men. We have to run it by what Elohim has said. So when I think that he's saying what I delivered to you, I didn't deliver to you doctrines and traditions of men. I delivered to you the core of our Father's words and how to walk them out, right? So as Galatians 1 continues here, because he instantly says, I didn't deliver information from men, right? And I progressed in Judaism beyond many of my age and my race, being more exceedingly ardent for the traditions of my fathers. But when it was pleased Elohim who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his favor to reveal his son to me, that I might bring him the good news to the goyim, the nations, I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood. Barry, like you pointed out, it seems like, wow, he knew. But he consulted someone, and there's nothing that he had any kind of prayer with Messiah or anything. But he did not go down to Jerusalem and consult with Peter and the apostles either. So ultimately, he didn't get it from men. He got it from Elohim. But how? How might that work? 
Polly. So I want to talk about verse 16, reveal his son in me, that I might bring him the good news. In other words, the good news is him. Mm-hmm. I might bring him the good news to the Gentiles. So to the best of my understanding, in our personal relationship with our Jewish friends, they fully, completely believe in Messiah. He's coming. Mm-hmm. Their first question will be, is, as some share with us, our first question to him will be, is this your first or second coming? Mm-hmm. They fully believe Messiah. They fully believe all the scriptures that pertain to the work that Messiah will do. They're looking forward to that work that he will do. What Paul has done is he has been bold and strong enough to stand up and say, I identify that this unique set-apart being is the Messiah we are looking for, Mm -hmm. that the scriptures speak about, that the scriptures tell of the work he will do for us. He is the good news we have been looking for. He's here. This is him. This is what he is being persecuted for, is that he's identifying this unique set-apart son of the Most High as the Messiah, the one we are looking and waiting for. No, exactly. And it does, that doesn't fit into the traditions of men and how it's supposed to happen. Or better yet, he's declaring that this son of Mary and Joseph is the set-apart being that was yeah. described. Yeah. Yeah. So we can relate to, I don't see that Paul completely has a new understanding. I think just like what has occurred in our own life, the Father has opened up our understanding to a greater capacity and with more clarity that he continues to reveal himself, the good news, his word, continually in a greater capacity so that we, cle- we clearly see him with more clarity. And, and what he is telling us in his word. Exactly. His word. Now, I'll leave you with this, and we're, we'll get right back to this next week. So, ultimately, he, he, he didn't get this from men, or was taught by men this revelation of who Messiah was. It wasn't through tradition, the traditions that he came to faith in Messiah. Ultimately, it was through the Elohim, it was through Elohim that he would, and if it's through Elohim, then that would have to be through what Elohim wrote. That's where, for me, he went and tested what's going on. That would be the Hebrew scriptures, the Torah, the prophets. And it's interesting, even when he says here, and when Elohim was uh, to separate me from my mother's womb, that's Isaiah. He's relying on the prophets, even in in his speech here. I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood. I believe... He did what we all should do. Go to the source. 
and ultimately that would be Elohim's word for us, the Hebrew Scriptures. So what did he do? And then I'll leave it here and we'll come back here. Neither did I to go up to Jerusalem. He's saying I didn't go down to, you know, to Jerusalem to those who were the apostles before me. But I went to Arabia and then returned again to Damascus. And I'll leave it right there. He went to Arabia to consult Elohim. So I'll leave it there. What is in Arabia? And I'll close in prayer. What's that? Arabia, yes. But there's, it's, and it's only in the New Testament, I think, twice or three times, maybe just twice. Arabia, no, Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai is in Arabia. So we'll look at the parallelism of him going down there and then the other person beside Moses, there was somebody else who was at Mount Sinai, the council of the Most High. I just think it's an interesting parallel and pattern. Father, Yahweh, great and mighty you are, there is none like you. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your words and your faithfulness to your words. Father, be with us today and help us to grow in that image that you have given us through your Son, your returning King. Amen. Shabbat Shalom, everyone.